Hello, I'm Anthony Nagel with Lowercase Capital, and today we're going to talk about overpriced Christmas gifts. But before we do that, just a quick disclaimer. This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing contained in this program is intended to be construed as investment or financial advice. Please be sure to contact an investment or financial professional before making any of those types of decisions. Last year, perhaps one of the most talked about gift ideas for the holidays was the Peloton exercise bike. And looking at the product and its price tag, it's easy to understand why. The Peloton exercise bike is a stationary bike that comes with um, information display, uh, video screen that you can subscribe to a data service for $49 a month. And this gets you access to a number of different pre-recorded workouts where you can follow along with your bike with what's going on on the screen. And so when I first saw this concept, when I first saw the commercials, and especially when I first saw the price tag, I thought that there was no way uh, a bike like this was going to do well. Um, but really, it, got, it gained and maintained a lot of attention. So in terms of a price tag, what we're talking about here is $1,895 for the original bike. And like I said earlier, $49 a month for the subscription service. When I hear numbers like that, I'm thinking... Either you can go out and buy a bunch of uh, home gym equipment, or you could go buy a gym membership somewhere. And included in the Peloton price tag, really you could do both. You could buy a really nice home gym and still have a gym subscription, um, all for that same price. And so why is it then that the Peloton bike has seemed to be so successful? I think it's a status symbol. I think it's, um, it's a social uh, item. It's not really about the workout, is it? It's about uh, the lifestyle that comes along with the Peloton bike. It's about telling your friends that you have a Peloton bike. And so I think that when I look at the product not as a piece of exercise equipment, but as a, a lifestyle product, um, the concept seems to make sense. And so let's take a step forward then to this year. And what do I see? Um, I think I was watching football uh, when I first saw a commercial for this device. It's called the Mirror. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but the Mirror is a Peloton-like device. Um, as the name implies, it's a mirror. It's a, it's a vertical mirror that can either be mounted on the wall or it looks like it comes with a small stand so you can lean it on the floor. And it's the same type of concept. It, it's a mirror that has integrated into it a display. It has integrated into it a camera. And there's some accessories like a, a heartbeat monitor and things like that so that you can get feedback. Uh, into the mirror to help it track your workout. And what do you do with it? You work out in front of it. And the same type of concept applies. There's some type of digital media service that comes along with the mirror that you can subscribe to for $42 a month. And this allows you to be able to work out in front of the mirror, again, with any type of, um, call them per virtual fitness trainers, virtual personal trainers that you'd like. You can select from a number of different workout styles. And it looks like there's also uh, a music service that comes with it so that you can have music played uh, along with your workout. And I said, all right, I get what they're doing here. This is obviously direct competition with Peloton. It's another status symbol type of a workout product. Uh, this time coming in at about $1,500. I think it's $1,495. So a little bit less. And the streaming service is just a little bit less. Um, but really with a product like this, there's a lot more potential in my opinion. So a stationary bike, you can do one thing with it. With a mirror-like product, you know, you can do weightlifting, you can do cardio, you can do dance, you could do yoga. Um, really, uh, the rest of the gym is open with a device like the mirror. 
And it seems to appeal to that status symbol vanity aspect very well. I mean, it has a mirror built into it. So uh, I think it would be very popular uh, with the same types of customers who purchased a Peloton. Taking a quick look at where the mirror came from, it looks like a, a company based out of New York called Curious Ear Products Incorporated uh, has developed it. And then after the fact, there's been a number of investors, uh, most namely Lululemon, that's come along and, and has some ownership stake in that. And if you go to the website for this product, you'll see that name proudly displayed. So they definitely want you to know they're associated with Lululemon, which is maybe an, another brand that also capitalizes on the, the status symbol uh, sector of uh, the workout market. So all of these names make sense to go together. So while I would have been a skeptic of a product like this a year ago, I actually think it's going to do pretty well. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to do well enough to substantially change the fortunes of Lululemon in any, in, in any way. Um, but I think it's something that's interesting, and I'll definitely watch over the next year just to see where this goes. Continuing on our theme of overpriced holiday gift ideas, I want to talk about two electric car companies. One I'm almost certain that you know of, uh, Tesla, of course, a $600 billion company selling electric cars available for, for purchase today. And the other company is Nikola, which you might not have heard of unless you, you know, like to follow in that kind of tech space, the, the futuristic space uh, of companies. Uh, they're a $6 billion market cap company or just a little under that. Uh, and I don't think they have a product for sale quite yet. I think their, their cars are still in development. Uh, so why am I looking at these two companies? About a month ago, I saw the size of Tesla. I saw the, uh, honestly, the price to earnings ratio of Tesla sitting at around 1300 And I thought it would be really, really hard for this company to go anywhere but down, um, potentially sideways a bit. But I, I personally, I thought it was going to go down. And that opinion was based on really just nothing other than a, a, a sense of awe or wonder about, you know, the, the overvalued nature of the company as it was. In full disclosure, I haven't done a lot of research into Tesla. I have the opinion in general um, that their cars are, are nice. Well, there's a lot of reported quality issues. But this isn't the type of company that I would tend to invest in. It's a growth company for sure, but, but even still, it's not one that I think I find appealing. And my maybe more objective system that I built to analyze these types of companies uh, hasn't selected it for the growth system, uh, at least up to this point. So I have this neutral to negative view on what Tesla might be doing over the next uh, few weeks to a month or so. And I thought it would be just interesting to, to write that down and revisit it down the road just to see how my prediction was. And I didn't want to make this prediction by itself. I thought uh, maybe it would be a better idea as a theoretical trade to, to place it as a, a short Tesla trade and long Nikola. Because when I look at Nikola... Nikola is just a smaller version of Tesla, in my uninformed opinion. They're $6 billion versus $600 billion. And so one of two scenarios could possibly play out, at least the way I thought. Scenario one, uh, the overall economy is very accommodating for electric car companies. Um, maybe as news about potential Biden presidency policies come out, that would be very positive for, for these green types of companies. And so both companies would go up. And just working off of the basic assumption that news that's good for both would be, um, on a relative basis, more good for Nikola, that would mean that uh, the long Nikola short Tesla trade would work out in a positive um, green energy, uh, positive uh, growth environment uh, economy. 
The other potential scenario I thought could play out is that Tesla would run into some uh, headwinds. They would be a little bit neutral to negative. And relative to that, my expectation is that Nikola would do well because it could be viewed either as a, an investing alternative to Tesla or quite simply just the fact that Nikola is earlier on in its company life cycle. And so people aren't looking at Nikola today with the expectation of earnings. They're not looking at them to make money today. They're still developing their product. So really, it's hard to hold them to an objective standard. And I could see the circumstance where Tesla would struggle in a potentially difficult economy while Nikola was doing just fine, just because of the simple fact that it, it's hard to place an expectation on them, uh, given where they are right now. And so I put this on my calendar. I didn't want to put money behind it. I just thought it would be interesting as a thought experiment to follow up with it. And being completely honest, uh, I know that doing these types of trades is something I'm not good at. I need to put in a lot more research and I need to formalize a system if I were to go in and actually um, do these trades in my you know, actual account. And so I just wrote them down. I just wanted to follow up. And I thought that the results were, were so hilarious. I needed to share them. So in that one month period of time, um, since I had the idea and I wanted to take a look down the road, um, Tesla has gone up 17%. And I'm looking at my notes here. Tesla has gone up 17% in that past month. At the same time, Nikola has gone down 27%. So in terms of my trade idea, I would say it's absolutely horrible. And I think that there's a lesson to be learned from this. Um, doing these types of trades is definitely something that's outside of what I know is what I'll call my system. So this is something that I should not expect to win because historically it hasn't. I haven't built a system of doing these types of uh, long short trades and doing these specific types of theme trades. The approach that I tend to employ is more systematic. I'll look at an investing style and I'll say if I want exposure to value because I started with value. I want to build the best value portfolio that I can. And so I'm going to stick with those style parameters and I'm going to optimize my method for selecting the companies in that type of style that I think are going to do um, better than the overall index average. So I'm looking to beat the style index with my ability to select within a style. Um, and that's just a very different way of investing than um, this long short or picking specific story reasons why. Um, I just find it to be an easier way of investing. And so that brings me to the last discussion point I have for today. Um, I'm going to be launching a new product starting in 2021, and that's going to be a newsletter product. So if you've listened to this podcast before, I'm sure you're aware of the fact that I operate a, a systematic investing system uh, for value and for income strategies. And the way that works is I have a, a set of code that I wrote myself that will analyze the stock market and give me some numerical values that assess companies along the lines of free, free cash flow, price, value, and as well, it'll give me an overall score. And so I take these companies and I give them a final look through to see that they're suitable for the current economic climate. And then I'll go ahead and, and um, operate my value and my income strategies uh, based on these selections. And the specific details behind uh, the value selections and income selections varies a bit. Obviously, on the income side, I tend to value a little bit more free cash flow while I'm a bit more permissive on the value and the price because really I'm looking to, to, to profit from the dividends rather than the capital gains of the, the share price itself. But the concept in either case is the same. I have a, a systematic approach for valuing these companies 
relative to each other and within the perspective of a certain style of investing. Um, I'm going to be turning that uh, analysis product, the automated part of the analysis product, into a, a weekly newsletter. And so what that means is you'll be able to subscribe to this newsletter and on a weekly basis receive uh, the selected companies from those two systems along with my commentary. Um, you know, in some cases, I'm going to identify that maybe this company might be um, not so well suited for the current climate. In other cases, I might identify companies where if I have to lean a little bit more overweight, this is an area where I might do so. Um, but whatever my analysis is on this set of companies, that's what you're going to find in the newsletter. So if you're interested in this newsletter idea and would like to know a little bit more, you can go to the website www.lowercasecapital.biz. And there you're going to find backdated issues of the newsletter. I'm going to be withholding those first for subscribers for, for some number of weeks. And then eventually I'll start putting out issues for public viewing so that everyone can get an idea of really what this newsletter looks like. And then, of course, from there, uh, if you have any other questions about what this product represents or, or anything about how it works, uh, you can definitely give me a call or send me an email and we can talk about it. So that's all I have for this week's episode. I hope you all have a fantastic New Year's. Thank you.